0: Hey, hey, happy Tuesday, happy uh, February 19th. Today, I want to uh, spotlight another show that I am very quickly becoming a fan of. Uh, It is called one plus one. It's a show by Wondery. We've highlighted a few of their shows in the past and you guys have told me you loved it, which is why I decided to make sure you know about this one. One plus one is an interesting show because it's really built around this idea that every great partnership is really a love affair. Uh, You can think about it. Passion, ego, infatuation, conflict, jealousy. uh, They're all hallmarks of some of history's greatest collaborations. They're sort of built into the process. And that's the entire premise behind One Plus One. It's a new podcast just released today. And uh, it tells the story of some of the world's most legendary creative unions. You can think Beyonce and Jay-Z, Frida Kahlo and Diego Rivera, Google's Sergey Brin, and Larry page, like people that have reached the top of their fields and that have changed the way we see the world, changed the way we interact, changed the way we live through a partnership, through uh, some kind of relationship. And yes, some of those relationships uh, are actually romantic or are actually uh, lovers. And, and so that creates this deeper layer that's worth exploring. On the show, hosts Rico Galliano and Faith Saley will chart the intense, mysterious, out Alchemy between these two visionary minds, the two people involved in this relationship. Along the way, you'll hear all about the highs and lows of the partnerships and learn exactly how they created something extraordinary by coming together. Now, I'm going to play a preview of One Plus One. It's about two seemingly ordinary dudes from Liverpool who come together and change pop music forever. Can you guess who I'm talking about? If you like what you hear, if you're into it, if you want to listen to more. Go search One Plus One wherever you're listening to this. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Stitcher, on Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Do a search and go subscribe to the show. Uh, you can also find a link in the episode notes, so that should make it pretty easy for you to uh, to find it. Uh, and don't forget to tell your friends. I mean, one of them could be the plus one to your life's work and the way that you'll change the world so here we go i'm going to roll uh the clip here from one plus one uh it's the new podcast from wondery just released today highly recommend you go listen by searching one plus one wherever you consume your podcasts
1: it's january 1967 in london england John Lennon is sitting at the piano in his home in the suburbs, writing a new song. It's based on a newspaper account of a young socialite named Tara Brown, killed in a car crash. John comes up with something he thinks will work. But John's having trouble finishing the song. So he heads on over to Paul's house, just a few blocks from Abbey Road. Together, they finish John's verses and round out the tune by adding a fragment from one of Paul's, an old number he'd never managed to use. As soon as John hears Paul sing that couplet, he says, yeah, that's it. This is how John and Paul write music. Quickly, intuitively, finishing each other's ideas. Sometimes they have trouble remembering who wrote what. That's how closely they work together. But they're not done with this song yet. They want to make it wilder, more avant-garde. Abbey Road Studios, February 10th, 1967. And the Beatles, the most famous band in the world, are throwing a party. Mick Jagger and Keith Richards are there. So is Marianne Faithful and Graham Nash. Oh, and a 40-piece orchestra dressed in tuxedos, clown noses, and rubber bald caps. The bizarre attire is meant to loosen the buttoned-up, classically trained musicians so they'll deliver what Paul wants. We'd like you to do some free-form improvisation. The orchestra is confused by the request. They want to please him. After all, he's Paul McCartney. but classical musicians don't really do freeform improvisation. <coughs> Producer George Martin steps in. OK, we don't want complete free form. We want each individual musician to climb from lowest note to highest at his own pace. The orchestra nods. They try over and over to do what they're asked. John, dressed in a crushed velvet jacket and sipping wine from a teacup, watches from the sidelines. He wrote most of the song, but he's fine letting Paul coax the orchestra into performing what John calls an orgasm of sound. Paul tries to make John's concept come alive, urging the musicians to randomly play an ascending scale, growing louder until they climax on the same chord. On the eighth try they finally nail it. Everyone knows they've just witnessed something special.
0: The life, this
1: As their songwriting grows more ambitious, John and Paul fall easily into these distinct roles. John, the conceptualizer, the big thinker. Paul, the arranger, the craftsman.
2: I saw the
1: On May 26, 1967, the five-minute, 12-second A Day in the Life is released as the final track on Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. The The album's immediately hailed as a masterpiece. A half-century later, Rolling Stone will still consider it the greatest album of all time. No one can guess where the Beatles will go next or that their partnership, which seems so strong, is already starting to crumble. From Wondery, I'm Rico Galliano.
2: And I'm Faith Saley, and this is One Plus One. Imagine you have a dream, an ambition, but you always feel like you're missing something, a piece of the puzzle you just can't put your finger on.
1: But then you meet someone, a collaborator, a kindred spirit, or even a rival, a person that dares you, maybe drives you to create something really inspiring.
2: That chemistry of two people in a singular pursuit allows you to achieve the success and fame you never could have on your own. Together... You make a mark on the world.
1: When you get right down to it, every collaboration is a love story with sparks when two great minds collaborate and compete. These kind of partnerships are what this series is all about.
2: In upcoming episodes, we'll be sharing stories of power couples from technology and and sports and science, and you'll learn amazing things about them and their legacies. But today, the world of music.
1: Indeed, some of the greatest collaborative pairs have been songwriters. Think of Rodgers and Hammerstein, George and Ira Gershwin. Somehow when it comes to crafting... Salt and Peppa? We should do a Salt and Peppa series. Push when it comes it. to crafting the perfect three minute pop song, it seems like two heads, a Salt Head and a Peppa <laughs> Head, are often better than one. And of all these songwriting partnerships, I think we can say one team stands above the rest John Lennon and Paul McCartney. And barely more than a decade together, they wrote hundreds of songs. And as of today, they sold over 600 million records.
2: And we're talking 40 years after Lennon died.
1: No question, the Beatles changed everything, and for a lot of people. The first song I ever loved was Yellow Submarine, although little did five-year-old me know what would go down between John and Paul like a year after they wrote that little number. In fact, from when they met in Liverpool to when they conquered the pop world, I can tell you there was more than a little drama.
2: Oh, yes. Oh, yes, you can tell us, because you're going to tell us about it for the next six episodes. So take it away, Rico. The story of Lennon and McCartney.
1: Thank you, Faith. This is episode one, eyeball to eyeball.
0: Quoting some John oh, again.
1: Fall, 1962, 24th Forthland Road in Liverpool. Paul and John sit across from each other in the cramped front room of Paul's house, guitars cradled in their laps. John's wearing his Buddy Holly horned rimmed glasses. Paul's propped one foot up on the base of the coal burning fireplace. They're hunched over a grammar school notebook containing the lyrics of a song Paul's been working on called Seventeen. He's having trouble with the first verse. She was just 17. She'd never been a beauty queen. And we kind of looked at each other like, I said, I don't really like that line. They run through words that rhyme with queen until John comes up with an alternative. You know what I mean? That's better. Suggestive, maybe a little sexy, but vague, it draws the listener in. They jot down the new lyric and run through the song again. Eventually, they'll give it a better title, too. I saw her standing there. They worked together like this for years. John calls it eyeball to eyeball. The left-handed Paul says facing the right-handed John feels like looking into a mirror. By 1962, they've already written dozens of songs this way, including a few future hits. They call their band The Beatles, a nod to one of their favorite singers, Buddy Holly, and his band, The Crickets. Never one to resist a pun, John changes one of the E's to an A. He wants to emphasize they've got the beat. But what's really going to make The Beatles stand out from scores of local bands performing covers are the songs John and Paul are writing. For now, the Beatles remain local favourites in Liverpool, but unknown everywhere else. Well, almost everywhere else.
2: In the summer of 1960,
1: a Liverpool promoter is shipping local bands to Hamburg, Germany. Rock and roll has caught fire over there, and there's huge demand for bands that can sing Elvis Presley and Chuck Berry covers in good English. One of the groups this promoter wants to send abroad is Rory Storm and the Hurricanes, featuring a talented drummer named Ringo Starr.
2: That was just a preview of One Plus One. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.